have your Bible, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I realized this morning that you spent some time, if you're part of the Abide group, and, and there's still time to get into that. We don't have any specific books out here, but if you go to Abide21.com, uh, you can print one. If that doesn't work for you, let us know, then we can print one here at the office for you. And so as you go to um, the book of Ephesians, and you're going to look, uh, 11 to 22 is what you read this morning, if you are part of that Abide group. And your Bible probably has a, a, a little saying over the top of it, and so that kind of gives you an idea what 11 through 22 is about and what we're going to kind of discuss. But what I want to do this morning, before we jump into chapter 2, verse 11, I really think we need to unwind some things um, and kind of allow you to come face-to-face with the truth, because what's going to happen is, if you pick it up in verse 11 and just kind of go on uh, in verse 22, you will have an opportunity to allow your preference or your opinion to dictate this passage of Scripture. So when you get to to verse 11, if you don't kind of know what Paul has said to this group of believers in Ephesus, and then you read kind of 11, you're going to be like, man, I I just don't know about this. Because starting in verse 11, he's going to challenge their preferences. He's going to challenge them, well, they look at this person as a stranger and an alien, and it's really kind of easy to do. So, well, you just don't fit in. Well, it's less easy to do that if you kind of go back and allow the gospel to to filter down through your mind in order to say something to you in chapter 2, starting in verse 11. So I want you to go back up with me, and Jordan has kind of read this, and we hadn't been talking about this, but if you go back to to Ephesians chapter 2 in the first three verses, now I realize when you look at the first three verses, you you hear some words that probably you're not going to high-five your neighbor about, but I think it's important for us to say, you know what, if we don't come to a place that we realize that we're a sinner, then the gospel really hasn't affected our lives. If there's not a time that you can kind of go back and unwind and say, you know what, I remember when I was dead in my trespasses. I remember when I walked against the word of God. God said, do this, and I'm saying, you know what, I don't really want to have anything to do with that. I remember when I was an object of wrath. And so I'm praying for you this morning that all of us, as we sit in this room, are reminded of our own sinfulness. When I'm reminded of my sinfulness, I get more and more excited about my Savior. I get As I think back about this and this and this and all those things, it's like, yeah, that's where I was, but because of who Christ is in my life, I can navigate today. So I want you to just kind of play back in your mind. When was that time frame that you actually came to the realization as an individual saying, you know what, I was dead in my trespasses. I was walking like everybody else, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature I was was a child of wrath like the rest of mankind. My prayer is that you really know that you're a sinner because what I've found, sinners need a Savior. If you never get to the place where you come saying, you know what, I desperately need a Savior because of my sin, 
It hasn't really sunk into who you are. So I want you to think about that just a little bit. I'm not going to you know, jump up and down and yell and scream and pound the pulpit, you know, saying you're all going to hell, but that's reality. That is true, okay? It's a sobering thought, but unless you get to that sobering thought, verse four really doesn't mean a whole lot to you. You're not really excited about, man, I can't wait for verse four. But there's something inside of a sinner that says, you know what, but God. And as you go on past in verse four, you know what's interesting? You're not in there. Your name is not there. There is nothing you can do. This is all God towards you. And the question will be, will you receive it? So this is what God did. While you were, you were living in rebellion, while you were doing your own thing, while you were objects of wrath, God said, that's okay. I'm okay with that. But I'm going to step into the world with this little baby that's going to be born. And I'm going to show you something. Look at verse 4. But God being rich in mercy... Because of the great love which he loved us. And so how do we demonstrate that? Or how does, that, how does Paul want this church at Ephesus to be reminded of that? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ by grace, you have been saved. So while you were dead in your trespasses, God loved you. Now it's interesting to me, as I read this passage of Scripture, that God didn't love you just by painting something in the sky. That God didn't take the easy way out, because that's a lot of times what we do when people are rebellious. We'll, we'll either ignore them, or we don't just stay away, because you know, it just gets wounded, and just, you know what, it just gets messy. So we'll just, we'll just yeah, we love you, but we're going to keep our distance. That's not what God did. But God, who was rich in mercy, wanted you to see how much he loved you, so he gave his son. While you're living in totally against him, he says, here, I'll give you a gift. Bam. Now what's interesting is, as you kind of work your way down through this passage, you know, but God being rich in mercy and by grace, and so that, verse 7, so that in the ages to come, and then he gets real specific with his church at Ephesus, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one should boast. For we are your workmanship, or you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for them. Now here's where it's going to get a little dicey. Now verse 11 is just around the corner. So something is very important. I was part of a Bible study on Thursday morning. Mike Young was talking, and I was listening he made a comment that I hadn't really thought about before, but he used an umbrella as an illustration. So I'll pull out an umbrella. So I was thinking as I was listening to Mike, Mike said this, you know, when you walk under the umbrella of God, life is different. I want you to think about this because I'm going to go here in just a second. I'm going to talk a little bit more, but I'm going to get to verse 11. And unless you're walking under the umbrella of God's grace and forgiveness, you're going to have a tendency to run from verses 11 through 22. Now, I want to show you something. Because I'm a Christian, I walk under the umbrella of God's grace. Okay? I want you to see what that looks like. So I'm going to do something else. I want you to go back in chapter 1 to verse 17. 
Okay, I want you to see what Paul is going to pray for this church at Ephesus um, so that they can have this understanding. So look at chapter 1 and verse 17. Well, let's go to verse uh, 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of, what's your Bible say there? Him. Now, is that interesting to you? That is interesting to me. Thinking about a guy who's in prison, Paul, life is really difficult. He's writing to this church at Ephesus, and he says, you know what, guys? More than anything, more than me getting out of prison, more than you being happy, more than life being fair, this is my prayer for you at church at Ephesus, that you know what it looks like to walk under the umbrella of knowing Christ. And I'm not sure of how many people were sitting there saying, wow, that's just amazing. And I'm not sure how many people are asking the question, what does it look like for these people to walk under the umbrella of knowing Christ? Well, go back a little bit farther to chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Here's what it means behind door number one to know what it looks like for you this morning to be sitting in a family underneath an umbrella of knowing Christ. Verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of of the world. Do you know that this morning? Now, most of us probably could say, well, yeah, I know that, but then do you know what it's like to live underneath that umbrella to know before the foundation of the world God chose you? You should be walking different in Highlands County because nothing horizontal is better than God saying, hey, before the earth existed, I picked you. When you walk into a meeting, you walk into a restaurant, or you walk wherever you're going to go, you walk into the doctor's office, you walk in to see the lawyer, you go wherever. You know what? You're walking, knowing. Yeah, that salvation is by grace through faith, but because I'm under that umbrella, I'm walking like, I, I'm chosen. I know who my father is. You can't take that from me. You can't give that to me. Behind door number two, as you look at spiritual blessings in Christ, drop down a little bit farther. In him. Verse five, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Adopted. So not only did God choose me, he wanted me to be, be part of that family. I don't know what it's like for you but it's amazing when you let Jesus be the leader of your family and let him be the head of your table at your house. It's amazing how life changes. Now I know this is a little silly illustration, but it's probably true of almost of every home, there's a place that the man sits in that home around that table. That's dad's chair, that's dad's seat at the table, whatever, okay? And, and it's not right or wrong, but what would it look like 
as us as men in our home, because we're walking around beneath the umbrella of Christ, that we didn't have to sit in that significant seat. That there's something inside of us as men saying, you know what? I choose to allow my father to sit there. I choose to walk under the umbrella of his leadership. And it's not about me anymore. What would that look like as we would sit down and say, wow, I've been adopted into this family and now Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, they're the, most, the three most important people in my life. It's about you. But he doesn't stop with his church at Ephesus. And I don't know how many people are excited, but the more I go back and look, the more excited I get. Look down at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our what? Trespasses. Do you like the S on the end of that? How many of us are walking around saying, yeah, Satan brings back stuff that we don't want to remember, and we can't remember what we want to remember. And so when it comes back, how many of us walk under the umbrella and say, hold on a second. Yeah, I remember that, but guess what? My Father has forgiven me of all of my trespasses. And there's something to true of all of us sitting in this room. We've done it. We can pull out the closet and say, wow, yeah, I did this and this and this and this, and the list can go on forever. But how many of us are consumed by the list and not the consumption that my Father has forgiven that list? That that has radically impacted my life. But see, it doesn't stop there. Go down to verse 11. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of his will, to work all things out according to the counsel of his will, so that we are in Christ first to hope in him. Have you ever thought about your inheritance? I mean, seriously, think about it. Yeah, it's eternal life. That's pretty cool. That's living for eternity with no more glasses, no more sorrow, no more pain. That's pretty cool. But what is it like for you to know that one day you'll have the privilege to walk on streets of gold? What does it mean to us as we gather under this umbrella saying, wow, my father's building a mansion for me. What does it look like for us as we gather as a family saying, wow, I get to dwell with God forever. And I know if you're a teenager, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But man, the older I get, it's more exciting. You know, when I was 20, 21, I was like, bring on the world. Let's do this thing. Life will be incredible. I didn't realize how bumpy life could be when I was 20, 21. Man, you get up there in the age, it's like, woo, there's another, another opportunity to say, okay, God, I'm coming underneath the umbrella because I need you and I'm depending on you. And so now, as you think about all of that information, now let's transition back to Ephesians chapter 2, and now let's pick it up in verse 11. Because see, if the gospel's really going to matter to you and it impact your life and impact the church at Ephesus, then they're going to have to lay down something that they've held on to for a long time. And there's a resentment between the Jews and the Gentiles. And this is a big deal. This is extreme prejudice. And so if I'm a, I'm a Jewish believer 
And Paul's writing to me out of prison, and I start to read these words. I'm thinking, there ain't no way I'm going to hang out with that guy because they're a Gentile. I don't like them. There's no way that God wanted a relationship with them. And so there's an opportunity for this group at Ephesus to say, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. But you know what else is exciting? There's another opportunity for that man to say, through the power of the gospel, I will lay down my prejudice. For that man to say, okay, God, if this is what you've inspired Paul to write from prison to us, then God, we want to be all in through the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't just want to be sons and daughters that say, yeah, we love the benefits. We want to be sons and daughters that we know that we found our hope in Christ, and these are the benefits of being underneath the umbrella. So allow me to be a son that pours out those things. Allow me to be a son that's excited about what you're doing in my life so I can pass that on. And so as you read through here, you see things like, you know, circumcised and uncircumcised, and, you know, you're alienated, and you're from, you know, the commonwealth of Israel, and you're strangers. But look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Look at verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're now fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. What Gentile man said, man, I get a chance to go worship today. What Gentile man went up to the synagogue and said, you know what, Paul says, and from prison, I know he's a Jew and he's writing to, to us, but he's saying to us, you know what, we're all part of this family of God. There's no, okay, you sit over there because you're circumcised. No, you sit over there because you're not circumcised. Oh, you're a Gentile, so you're the outcast. We don't want anything to do with you. No, no, no. Because of the great love of God, he said, here, I'll make a way for everyone to be welcome at this table. There's no longer going to be a stranger, an alien. There's no longer going to be, so yeah, we prefer your color type. No, we don't prefer your color type. Oh, yeah, we, we prefer you because you don't have as many tattoos as that person. Yeah, we don't, we don't, that's just too much for us. I wish, and I, I will never get this opportunity, but I wish I could take you to the prison on a Saturday night. And I wish I could walk into the room with you. And I wish I could stand next to you as men who are broken, truly worship Jesus. I wish that I could let the, the electric guitar player show up here on a Sunday morning and then the drummer and then the bass player then the, then the keyboard player. And it's so much fun to listen to the notes that the individual guys are playing, but yet it's part of a group that's worshiping one person, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know all that's going on in their hearts. I don't know all that happened during the week and I don't know all that's going on in your heart. I don't know what all that's happened during the week, but you know what? I know a Savior. It's calling us to embrace strangers and aliens. We're part of a family of God. Now, one of the cool things about our community is we're going to get a chance to embrace this tonight. I mean, we're going to walk to First United Methodist Church, First Church of Sebring, and have a chance to pray together with a group of people who love Jesus. Now, if you would have told us 20 years ago 
that we would be down there praying, we would all have been smiling at you. You say, you know what? You done lost your mind. Their Methodists were Christians. Their Methodists were believers. Well, we're not going to do that. That's, that's across the denomination. Yeah. But you know what's so exciting is? David Giuliano loves Jesus. And I'm pretty sure he's standing before his congregation this morning and saying, let me talk to you about faith and a gospel, and his name is Jesus Christ. Let me talk to you about what it looks like to be a sinner. Let me talk to you what it looks like to be walking beneath an umbrella and be chosen by your father. And then let me talk to you about what it looks like to live knowing who your father is. And let me talk to you what it looks like when I look across the table, praying or not praying, that person has an opportunity to be part of our family. Because the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter for color of our skin. There's one or two people here this morning. You're either saved or you're lost, and there is no in-between. And I don't care what you look like, and I don't care what background you come from. I don't care where you live. You're either going to be walking on the streets of gold with me one day, or you're not. So what I think is interesting, what I think is really kind of neat, as we, as we watch God work, and as we, you know, we end our time together, I feel like God is calling people to to. Ju- Join in for the first time underneath an umbrella through the saving power of the gospel. Saw that last night where a Muslim sitting down in front and because he placed his faith in Christ, that guy's now my brother. Now, he doesn't look anything like me. He's got really dark skin. He sings really, really loud and it's usually on key. And I don't know how long he's going to be there, and it doesn't matter. What matters is him and I will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. Because that man said, you know what? I need to be underneath the umbrella, and that umbrella only comes by faith through Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. And I don't know what's going on in your life, but I think there's probably some people in here for the first time need to enter underneath the umbrella and say, you know what, Jesus, I choose you. I'm a sinner. I recognize it. I'm going to place my faith in you, Jesus. So if you've never done that, here's an opportunity. For by grace, you have an opportunity of salvation. By faith, nothing about you. It's all about God saying, here, I want to give you an opportunity to worship. I want to give you an opportunity to sit at a table with a father who's the creator of heaven and earth. I want to give you an opportunity to sit at a table when you walk out today that you see the stars or the sun or whatever, saying, hey, that's my father the creator of heaven and earth, I chose you before the foundation of the world. Come sit with me. Receive the gift. But I think there's another calling for us. There's another group in us in here that you know him, but sometimes you have a tendency to walk outside of the umbrella because you think you can And I think God's raising a generation that's learning to say, you know what? I want to walk underneath the umbrella of knowing who my father is. I want to walk around tomorrow morning, not in arrogance, but in a confidence to know, wow, you chose me. And that really matters to me. So as a son... Just pausing and saying, wow, I really don't want to be the head of the table. 
I don't want to drive the car. I just want to surrender to you. I want to be that son that says, wow, you know what it's like to be adopted into a family where an individual is willing to give their life for me? What a blessing to sit at that table. I know you all want forgiveness of your sin. But I don't know if you all have experienced it. To sit down and say, all of my trespasses are forgiven. That's my father. You know what that's like? It's just saying, hey, join me under the umbrella. Join me on a walk to get to know who my father is. I don't know if this is true of you, but I'm alive today because of Jesus. And I'm not just breathing alive. Like there's this regenerating work going on in my life because of Christ and because of the Holy Spirit and because of the Word of God and not because of Todd. And my prayer is that you would sense that as well. That your spouse maybe one day would look at you and say, you know what? You're just different these days. And your spouse would know it's because it's the regeneration work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's the gospel. Saying, wow. So, Father, here we are. It's a family on Hammock Road. Preferences, yes. Opinionated, yes. Stubborn, yes. Broken, yes. Needy, yes. But you're excited about us because before the foundation of the world, you picked us. Nobody else would have, but you did. So thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross so I could have a father so I could be adopted into a family, so I could have forgiveness, so I could have an inheritance. So, Father, may you do something special in our family that we would learn to walk underneath the umbrella of God. And that the gospel would just pour out of us because we know who our Father is. And so when people would bump into us, they're like, why are you smiling? You've got cancer. Well, that's okay. I know my father said, I think this is what I, you need today. Well, you're just in an accident. Why are you smiling? Oh, my father protected me. It's just metal. Why doesn't it matter to you that you're not in first? Because I've been chosen before the foundation of the world. So, Father, I don't know who's here this morning that doesn't know you, but I ask that you would make them alive today. That they would transition of having no hope to hope, to having no power to power, having no comfort to comfort, because they came to the realization that they were a sinner and they needed a Savior. 
And they said yes to you, Jesus. And then, Father, for those who are walking outside of the umbrella, may they learn what it looks like to trust in the Lord with all their heart, lean not on their understanding, but in all their ways acknowledge you. There's a lot of work that needs to be done here. So, Father, begin one, one dad, one mom, one home, one grandma, one grandpa, one single person at a time, surrendering, walking under an umbrella, allowing the gospel to be loose in their life. Father, thank you for allowing us to meet with your word. May we not just walk out with informational knowledge, but may you challenge us to change because the gospel is alive inside of who we are. To your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you tonight.